Welcome to a very special episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, heard every Wednesday right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Oh, it's a very gay day in RVA here, isn't it? Woo! Woo! So this episode's actually a true partnership with our friend Wyatt Gordon, who I have to say a huge thank you to for setting all of this up. Yeah. So you're an honorary dirt girl today. My pleasure. <laughs> girl G-U-R-L. Right. So we're going to go around the the table and you can introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your organizations, what you do here in Richmond. Oh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. This is Rodney Lofton, uh, Vice President and Deputy Director with Diversity Richmond until June 28th, the local LGBTQ Community Center. Although we don't provide direct services to the community since 1999, we've given away upwards of a million dollars to local LGBTQ serving and affirming organizations. What you got going on over there, Juan? So I'm Wyatt Gordon. I am the creative director of Mungays at the Bird, presented by Virginia Pride. This is a new queer film series in RVA, and we're showing a gay film every Monday to celebrate the LGBTQ community. So come on out. It's just a $4 suggested donation, and we would love to have you. Good morning. My name is Ted Lewis. I serve as the executive director at Side by Side, formerly Rosemi. Since 1991, we've supported lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth ages 11 through 20 with support groups and counseling services and we just launched homelessness services for young adults 18 to 25 with our partners at Nations and the Virginia Anti-Violence Project. Uh, Good morning everyone I'm Wyatt uh, Johnson I work for Richmond City Health District. I'm the social networking strategist coordinator there um, which means we do expanded HIV testing into uh, historically marginalized communities um, as well as uh, communications work and how to talk to those communities and promote health equity in the work that we do. Good morning my name is Zakia McKenzie and I I'm the executive director and founder of the Nation's Foundation, and we're a nonprofit organization located in the east end of Richmond that offers free HIV and STI testing, as well as a food pantry and a mobile testing unit, and support groups that support both trans women, trans men, and those living with HIV or newly diagnosed. These are all really beautiful things you're doing. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited about this show today, and I'm trying to figure out where to jump in because, you know, there's a lot of topics that we could be discussing. I know, I have a whole right here. We can actually start wherever your heart desires. What is the state of LGBTQ plus relations here in Richmond? Anybody can jump in. How does it feel? Well, I'm new to the scene here, so I'm just trying to grab my bearings and figure out what everything is like. But that's one of the reasons why I wanted uh, to start Mungays here. This is something that I experienced in Berlin. Uh, where local cinema every Monday shows an LGBTQ-themed film. And it's something that I really cherish, and it's something that I wanted to have for myself here also. So that's why I reached out to Virginia Pride and Nations and Health Brigade, uh, Diversity, Side by Side, and Black Pride RVA so that we could put together something like that here for Pride Month. Um, It's every Monday in June, and it is the first Monday of July, which is Black Pride Month. Who picked the films. And is there a specific feel reason why these films were chosen? 
So I came up with a suggested list of films that I thought would be great to show. Um, all of them were within the last few years, critically acclaimed, uh, really adored by the community itself. Um, I wanted to f pick films that highlight marginalized people in our community. So um, through that process and with the help of all of the organizations who had really great ideas about the films, we came to a combined list of films, which amazingly features all POC leads. So it is really celebrating the diversity, not just in terms of sexual orientation or gender identity, but also racially, which is a very rare um, feature in the Richmond scene from my understanding. Representation is hard to come by sometimes in Hollywood. So I admire this young man. Uh, we've had a wonderful uh, association since he's been back in Richmond uh, and actually had him on our show, which is also aired here on WRIR, uh, The Front Porch. Um, and we had a number of individuals, uh, representatives from Virginia Pride as well, and um, Lisette Cross of Black Pride RVA and UGRC. And one of the questions that we posed to the committee there, or, or the guest, why are there so many black people films for the most part? And it was a question that we never really got answered because sometimes here in the South, we are very polite folks. Oh. Hmm. And we don't like to really talk about race relations, let alone discuss race relations. You find that to be an issue too, huh? Oh, yes, yes. You know, we're very polite. We smile and say, that's nice. We, there, there are some racial bias issues within the greater LGBTQ community. And I think, um, although there were great films that were represented, and Wyatt and I have had this conversation, that members of the greater LGBTQ community don't see themselves represented in those films, so therefore they're not going to come out and support those films or the efforts of those organizations. And that tends to be the same thing that's, or the same theme that's repeated throughout some of the uh, events or activities that are, that take place to create a safe and nurturing environment for the LGBTQ community here. If it doesn't look like me, if it's not within the four corners of which I live, it's not my pig, not my farm. But there are moments in which we do cast a net for other members of the community to come out to support efforts. And it's usually about issues that are not necessarily important to us as queer people of color, because marriage equality was not really a major issue for us. Finding fair housing in the city of Richmond, if you identify as a trans woman of color or just a effeminate black gay man, you know, you have individuals who are not going to rent to you or going to hire for you. So marriage equality certainly was not an issue or concern for us. We have other issues and isms within the greater LGBTQ communities of color that have not been addressed, not even by the organizations that we support with our efforts, with our volunteering, with um, our money, our donations. This is actually one of the reasons why I like to talk about Mungays as a queer event. Um, which was historically used as a slur, and the community's really taken it back over the past couple decades because I want people within the community to think of themselves as one community. And having things broken down into LGBTQ, I really respect because I think it's important to highlight the different life experiences of every category within our bigger banner. However, I think it would be um, a sign of progress if we could start to think of ourselves all as queer because the rest of society doesn't generally care if you are bisexual or if you're gay. All they see is that you're holding a man's hand when you're out on the street. So um, by thinking of ourselves as queer, it's also an opportunity for ourselves to think holistically and to support each other because an attack on a black trans woman is 
equally as an attack on me as a white bisexual male because we are part of the same community and that is very hard to achieve that's not how we're raised that's not how society wants us to think but that's why i think it's so important that we focus on the queerness of our label because it is an opportunity for us to expand our empathy and to look out for each other um i just want to just say that um it's funny how um, white privilege shows up and within the LGBTQ community. Um, and just um, the day after Mungays, um, we did a thank you for everyone coming out to support the event. And then there was a cis white man who wanted to make a comment about why did I choose a movie that displayed trans people in such a horrific light as um, sex workers and drug users and um, homeless and ex-convicts and um, and basically said, shame on me for choosing a movie like that. And um, it was sad that that was the takeaway f- for that person. And that is the reality for some trans women. That is their truth. Um, a lot of black trans sex workers are homeless, are ex-convicts. Um, that is the importance of the work that I do to change the trajectory of transgender people due to systemic oppression and transphobia. So how dare you, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, try to chastise me for choosing a movie that depicts the reality of folks so that we can start conversations about it to make a change for my people instead of you sitting there trying to criticize me for showing you the truth. I, I want to go back to something that Wyatt said, and I, I, I think he has this great concept of what embracing all of our queerness, you know, if, it, if something happens to a trans woman of color or a bisexual, bi plus, um, white gay man, white man, um, that we should all be supportive of those efforts or or those issues or those concerns. But the reality is that we're not, you know, I would love a, a community like that, but it's not like that here in the city of Richmond, no matter how many times we try to have that conversation. And one thing that I've learned is that when folks ask you, specifically white gay folks ask you, well, tell us what we're doing wrong or how we can help. And when you begin to have that conversation, they tend to back away because you're being too honest about what's, what your road, what your journey as a black gay man, as a trans woman of color is actually like. And then you get the, the, the comments, well, that's never been my experience. Well, no, it's not your experience. You've asked me to share what my experience has been like as a black gay man living in the capital of the Confederacy. This is my reality. My reality is when I'm in my car and I see a siren behind me or a police officer following me, I'm not concerned about him identifying me as a gay man. On a given day, I'd like to think I'm butch enough to look straight, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, Some of my friends would beg to differ with me on that. But what my concerns are... I do a mental checklist. Is my music too loud? Is my seatbelt connected? Am I at nine and three? Is my signal working? Because he's not going to pull me over because I'm a gay man. He's going to pull me over with his mental checklist of what black men may have done or will be doing later on today. And so when you try to share those experiences and the fear that's associated with intersections and uh, what it's like to be a black man driving, a black man walking, a black man eating, a black man shopping, we see it on Facebook every day. And when we try to engage our counterparts and what it's like to 
to live in this community, it's very difficult for us to have those communities because you see the barriers go up and we immediately shut down because why ask if you never want? We want to hear a closed mouth never gets fed. And so I, I, I love the concept that we should all embrace our queerness, but the reality is I'm the only, oldest one here. I'm 50 years old. I know what it's like to be called nigger by a gay man because I didn't like him. That's the reality. I know what it's like to have gone out with white men who say you can come over after night, but you have to leave before my neighbors see you in the morning. This is our reality. And no matter what, we, we try to talk about it, but that's, that's life in the RVA. It is. And a lot of that um, stigma and oppression and suppression that you were talking about starts very young. And now I'm going to turn it to Ted so we can talk about how do you deal with children who are questioning their sexuality and the fact that their parents may or may not accept this. Um, they may end up homeless. What do you have to say? So I don't want to lose the, the thread we're on, but right. I am going to answer your question. I, I fully agree with my colleagues around the table. Um, race is something that we don't talk about. Uh, that's true with the youth we work with as well. Uh, it's difficult to engage in authentic conversations around race and racism. And the statistics that I could give you on LGBTQ youth are doubled and tripled uh, risk when we talk about youth of color, particularly black youth. One of the reasons that we chose Saturday Church, which does feature uh uh, black youth uh, who is experiencing homelessness in the movie is because the vast majority, over 90% of youth that we have seen come to us seeking homelessness services have been black. Um, and that is a combination of, uh, you know, historic and continued racism within the city, as well as homophobia and transphobia that these young people face. And a lot of times it comes from their family. And I think that there's a, when we talk about race within the LGBTQ community, I would argue that there's a misconception that communities of color are more homophobic or more transphobic than their white counterparts. And I would say that homophobia and transphobia looks different depending on your cultural lens, but it, it's sort of disingenuous to say it's more or less. And I would actually argue it's even racist to say that black people are more homophobic than their white counterparts. But then I'll say it, and I'm black and trans. And there we go. <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is that I think it looks different. And I think that it's uh, often connected to uh, things that uphold white supremacy. Um, and uh, sadly, sometimes faith traditions. You know, Botswana became the most recent African nation to legalize um, gay people existing. And I loved the headline that CNN posted that said um, they were overturning a colonial law that actually was not made by the people of Botswana. No. It was made by Europeans. And so I think that there's a misconception there. Um, and a lot of the parents that we encounter that are hesitant or not welcoming, it's because they're looking at other adults who are not welcoming and affirming. And so even if you don't have kids, I need you to be okay with gay and trans kids existing in your community. And I need you to be vocal with that. I need that support to be visible and out and proud and loud. I need a rainbow flag and a trans flag on your front yard flying over your house, bumper sticker on your car. I need you speaking up at the school board meeting. I need you out with the mayor at Pride, at Black Pride, proud, bringing your own kids, whether or not they're part of the community, so that other parents and adults can know it's okay. Because parents are looking for other adults to tell them it's okay, in the same way that our youth are. 
And so the youth we see um, have extreme high rates of suicidality and self-harm. Uh, anywhere between 60 to 70 percent of the youth that come to Side by Side are actively suicidal, meaning they've seriously thought about killing themselves in the last six months. And so when we work with other youth organizations, a lot of times they're focused on academic success or tutoring programs or, you know, betterment of the community. And we do a little bit of all of that. But if I really want to get down to it, uh, in the dirt of our VA, if you will, a lot of what we do is trying to keep these kids alive. Yeah. Um, and we do that in part by having some joy because you can't always sit around and talk about how bad stuff is. So being able to go to the movies at Bird Theater on a Monday with your friends and with your family and see yourself represented on the big screen um, is a huge deal. Being able to go to Pride Night at the Diamond and see a baseball game and there's LGBTQ and allies there is a big deal. Being able to watch TV and seeing yourself represented on TV is huge and it's a game changer. Uh, my favorite story is our youth um, always laugh at some of our uh, adults and facilitators that we watched a whole sitcom with Ellen DeGeneres and watched her date men and nobody thought that was off or <laughs> weird. Um, but they don't know an Ellen that's not been out. Um, they only know Ellen married to Portia. Um, they don't know that world. So it's a different world than I grew up in, a different world than most of the parents that we work with grew up in, but it doesn't mean it's gotten better. And right now I would say our community is under attack. Anybody else want to jump in on that? <laughs> yeah. About our community being under attack? Yeah. Yeah, by administration. Um, yeah, how do you feel about that? Politics, mental health? I mean... Um, I'm angry with our administration um, because they're trying to roll back all types of protections for trans people. I think it gives a clear message to individuals that it, trans people are not worthy. There have been 11, 10 murders this year of trans women already. Luckily... Uh, they arrested someone in Dallas um, in relation to Malaysia Booker and the other young lady that were murdered. But it, it's it's senseless. It's it's horrible. Um, we deserve to be protected. We deserve rights. Um, and the murders need to stop. And it's sad. And this sort of fear and under attack, does it make you feel warmly towards police? Does it um, make you want to reach out to mental health professionals? I mean, or are there roadblocks to those things? I think there are roadblocks for other people. Like, um, I'm kind of lucky to have relationships with the police and mental health providers um, and to also educate and train them so that they understand how to kind of like police in a trans context. But um, for other people who don't have those relationships, yeah, it's they're scared, they're frightened, and we're seeing an influx of people coming in for services and needing support, you know, because of what is going on, because of the murders of trans women and um, an increase in housing and unemployment, you know, related to trans people and specifically trans women of color. So it's devastating times. Um, it's scary. Um, I, I am fearful of what could happen to me on the street in my day to day um, because I am out and proud and loud about who I am. Um, so it's about, you know, thinking of ways to um, be safe, how to hold each other accountable, um, how when some of the girls who are out doing survival sex work, how can, they can stay accountable with one another. Um, and, and say that again. Survival sex work. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so like um, tonight in my group, we're continuing conversations about that and how to be safe and, you know, what 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 can we do to make a change and trying to get people to rally up and stand up 
and these so-called allies who say that they are allies, use your voice and speak up for us because nobody's speaking up for us like that. And I'm tired of my sisters getting murdered. I'm tired of it, literally. So if you hear me, if you call yourself an ally for trans people, stand up for us. Talk to your senators. Talk to your delegates. Use your voice and hire us. Support us. And LGBTQ youth are three times more likely to engage in survival sex work if they're living on the street. And so the survival sex work phenomenon, I think, is fascinating because it tells you that there is a desire for us, right, and particularly trans women. And often these murders, sadly, are tied to perpetrators who have a romantic or sexual relationship with their victims. And so, you know, there's the old adage from Shakespeare, I think, thou doth protest too much. Mm -hmm. The most anti-LGBTQ bullies are struggling with their own sexuality and gender. And so a lot of times we talk with our youth around addressing bullies and asking them, who hurt you? Why are you so angry? Why is my life make you so pissed off? What is it about me living my truth that scares you? And oftentimes it's because they're trying to hide who they are and that they're often getting bullied or beat up by somebody else in their life. And so it's this weird phenomenon that we are loved often and appreciated and celebrated at times and bullied and demeaned and killed on the same hand. Uh, And sadly, a lot of times by the same person. There is an article in Queerty.com about a pastor who also happens to be a deputy, I believe, who a video of his sermon was posted online on YouTube, and he believes that the police should all go to gay pride events because the Bible gives police officers the permission to take the lives of gay people. Mm. I wish you could see my face right well, now. And, 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 and what's sad is that those who are supervising him are saying, well, we are reviewing what he has said. He said what he said, and he meant what he said. And it goes back to what Zakia was saying, that our lives are in peril right now because, you know, this administration has given everyone the, the willingness or the empowered them to say and do what they want if it doesn't look like them and if they're not wearing the MAGA red hat. And it, it's a trickle-down effect, and so we're all fearful. And because of that, you know, again, we speak of intersections, and I identify first and foremost almost as a black man. But what gets me is that if someone doesn't like the way I look or the way I dress, or there was one gentleman who was having a barbecue in his backyard and the commissioner came and said, I'm sorry, but you have to keep the fumes to your side of the yard because someone has called and complained. And you know, the, the white people who are calling the police on people of color are the ones who are getting these nicknames like Petty Petty Patty or uh, Barbecue Betty. And what we really want is just this, again, going back to what Wyatt was saying, this opportunity that we're all community. But it doesn't work that way. I I, want to keep going with this, but I have to keep us moving on to Mm -hmm. other topics because we could talk about that. Mm-hmm. For hours. Um, and I'm sure we'll come right back around to it. Well, I'd like to tie into what Ted yes. was talking about, the Go commercial right the commercial and survival sex work um, of young LGBTQ folk, and as it relates to what Wyatt does for RCHD. Oh, good. You're going to move right into where yeah. we need to go. Perfect. And just to tie in, back in August of 2013, there was an article in the Advocate magazine. It was either Advocate or Out magazine that talked about a young 23-year-old young MSM of color, young men who have sex with men, young men who have sex with men, who talked about becoming infected. So he was kicked out of his home because he identified as gay. His family disowned him. He started engaging in commercial sex work. In order to fuel that activity, he started to do drugs. 
And so it became a cycle. And he quoted, he, he was quoted in the article by stating that one night he had sex with 10 people and he couldn't tell you what was done to him or what he did to someone else. He eventually tested positive for HIV infection and someone hipped him to the wonderful game of social services. Stop taking your HIV medications. Allow your CD4 count to drop below 200, get an AIDS diagnosis, and the wonderful world of social services will be open to you. So once he received that AIDS diagnosis and he started taking his HIV medications after receiving the diagnosis, he finally had housing. We have to question what we are doing as a community when we allow that young man to have to engage in that type of behavior in order to have access to medical care or housing. And I'm pretty sure that's what Mike Wyatt is seeing in, in the city of Richmond now. Yeah, one of the big things that we focus on, um, one of the big things that we focus on at RCHG, um, especially in this past year, is, is equity. Um, and recognizing that when someone does need care, um, HIV care or medical care or, or getting just tested um, before a diagnosis even occurs, is that there are a lot of other social determinants that are barriers for people um, to access things like free STD testing or uh, care, um, being linked into care when they need it. Um, it's not just you can give people information or you can give people resources and even get them to those resources. That's going to help them out. It's also saying, okay, they don't have transportation or they're not financially stable or they don't have housing. And all of these things are affecting their ability to get proper care um, and to prevent anything properly as well. So a big focus for RCHG has been really uh, promoting equity in, in communities who have historically not had um, the resources that they need to close the disparity, specifically in HIV care but um, in all services and working with them one-on-one -on -one and making sure, okay, we're going to help you um, get linked into care. We're going to help you get medication. Um, but also what other things are affecting you right now? What other resources can we link to you to? Do you need stable housing? Do you need mental health resources? Do you need substance use resources? Um, do you just need steady transportation so you can get to your job on time because your job is your source of income? You know, So there's a whole lot that goes into taking care of somebody that's not just uh, linking them to the resources they need in that moment. Um, it's a very well-rounded um, kind of perspective on someone's uh, identity and what they need. I always say a holistic approach. A holistic approach, mm -hmm. yeah. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about the Doing It campaign? Yes. Okay, so yes. this is kind of where I love to talk about. Because, so. I mean, it's summer, and we're all about to do it all the time. Oh, oh. Richmond uh, is definitely doing that, and uh, <laughs> the rates of STDs uh, show that. Yeah, so, I bet. Um, so doing it RVA is kind of like a brand that RCHD and a few other community organizations, including Nations, Health Brigade, Walgreens, VCU, um, Planned Parenthood, a few others as well, started to focus on equity and uh, allocating HIV prevention resources throughout Richmond um, in a smart way. And the brand itself online um, on social media is about communicating directly with people in a way that speaks with them to kind of motivate them to come and get tested. Um, it started out last year and we've kind of tested the waters with the direction that we want to take the brand um, and recently came out with a strategic plan about where we want to go focused on being a little more upfront about getting tested and STDs in general. Um, we have a lot of campaigns uh, over the years, like Virginia gets tested or get yourself tested, um, which hit the mark for certain people to motivate them to get them tested. But oftentimes they're not hitting the mark for individuals who it's not going to motivate anyways. Um, when I look at that messaging and I come from a place where I 
didn't have a lot of knowledge about STDs or STI care or HIV before coming into this position. Um, and then looking back and saying, why did none of this communication motivate me to go get tested earlier? Why did the, none of this communication uh, make me think about my sexual health? You know, And then what were the problems in that? And it's because we need to speak to the values of the individuals um, who are trying to get in the doors to receive services or care, not the values that we want to talk to them about. So we, we take approach on doing it at RVA that's a little more blunt, a little more in your face about STDs. We like to be uh, a little fun with it, but there's always got to be a message behind it. You know what I mean? It can't be crass all the time. It can't be, uh, or it can't not have good information in it. So I have statistics for the national, state, and, and local level, mm -hmm. but local not being Richmond, but being central Virginia. Um, right. So it's kind of... Um... You know, Richmond, Chesterfield, Henrico, Hanover, mm -hmm. Petersburg, all that. All those areas. People have sex in between all three localities, so. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not Hanover, I don't know. So I wouldn't want to have sex in Hanover, but I'm just saying. Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> <laughs> what, we, um, what we're seeing at a national level is um, in 2017, uh, the most recent data we have available from the CDC says we see about um, a 44% rate uh, in black populations of new uh, HIV diagnosis um, in white populations, they account for 26% of new HIV diagnoses, and in Hispanic populations, 25%. When we break that down to the state level, um, Virginia is a little bit higher um, for for new HIV diagnoses um, for black populations. It's about 58%. Um, for white populations, about 27, and then for Hispanic populations, 11. Um, and then when we get down to the Central Virginia level, Central Virginia accounts for 27% of all new diagnoses in Virginia, and black populations account for 66% of that. Oh. Um, and white populations uh, actually have a lower than the uh, state and national at 20%, um, and Hispanic populations account for 8% of uh, new HIV diagnoses in Virginia. So why do we have such a big disparity in Richmond? I do. Specifically in central Virginia. Because there's so much stigma related to HIV, specifically in black culture and communities. And our communities don't want to talk about it. They rarely want to get tested. And that's why it's so high. And how do we, the question is like, you know, how do we motivate people to get tested or give them the opportunities and access to get tested. Because it's not just, oh, people have access to these resources. You know, it's, a lot of people don't have access to these resources, whether that be an information barrier, a transportation barrier, um, the stigma barrier. You know, so many things that are preventing people from accessing the resources if, one, they know about them, and two, want to do them. I was going to say that, <clears throat> you know, that was one of the, you know, integral reasons why we got the mobile unit, to be able to meet people where they are and offer testing, and then also using food as an incentive to get folks tested. We know that people are hungry, and you know, when they see that they can get, get a meal or eat, you know, they're, they're more inclined to get tested. And as far as erasing stigma related to it within the communities, like um, my pastor and I, we have long, long conversations about it. And I, I think it needs to start in churches because, um, you know, it, it the stigma starts there. Um, I think getting people educated so that they understand, you know, that people can live with this disease and that you can't touch people and catch it. Um, so, and then just trying to shift 
you know, the mindset of people. And I think that, like, it needs to be more education in the school system so that, you know, youth are, this topic is brought to people at an early age so that they completely understand about the virus. And I just think that, like, the whole LGBTQ spectrum should also be, you know, a, a topic in school so that people understand. Well, children are untouched by bias until their parents yeah. fill their heads with it. You can't get more fabulous than this, friends. You are listening to a very happy Pride Month episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. My day is trying how to get your attention, but ain't working, yeah. I've been spending all my nights and time crying. Don't you get that right? Satisfaction guaranteed. You just keep on digging, yeah. Satisfaction guaranteed. You know, I do a lot of education events um, at high schools and middle schools around the area. Or not, I think maybe it's just high schools. They just look young to me. Um, I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just turned 40. Yes. But everybody looks our, so young. They'll come to our table and kind of be shocked that they're out, we're out here with, like, STD information and HIV information, just like in their school. Um, and, you know, a few booths down, there's uh, a station that's about abstinence, you know, and us not being able to give out condoms in high school you know there's and a lot of barriers there i would say growing up in chesterfield and taking sex education in the early 2000s we were not taught anything about lgbtq people we weren't even allowed to touch a condom we didn't even get to do the cliche putting a condom on a banana oh no i'm i was i'm a product of chesterfield county schools too just maybe like 10 years before you and nope there were so many instances where I have just been extremely lucky. Uh, I have had um, partners where we got tested before we decided to have unprotected sex, and it turns out that that partner was positive. And thankfully, um, he had the wherewithal to suggest getting tested because I wasn't raised in a way that would make that be my first instinct. Oh, well, if we're going to have unprotected sex, we need to make sure that it's safe sex because you're not even fully aware of the risks because you're not taught in a way that empowers you to take charge of your sexual health. You're only taught abstinence, and that is a method that may work for some, but we are millions of different people, and we all have different approaches to having safer sex. So it's really important that we educate people so that we can empower them to take charge of their own health. One of the things that LGBTQ youth are often asked when they come out, particularly if they come out at younger ages, is how do you know? And it's, I think it's the scariest question I've ever heard a parent ask an 11 or 12 year old because it's a challenge, right? It's go prove your sexuality. And so LGBTQ youth are more likely to engage in risky sexual contact at younger ages than their heterosexual peers to prove to themselves or more likely the adults in their lives that they are who they say they are. According to the CDC, LGBTQ youth are two to three times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager or get somebody pregnant as a teenager because they're not necessarily having sex that they want to engage in, but they're trying to prove their sexuality to somebody. 
everybody. And so part of the sex education is also believing lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth when they come out and not challenging them or telling them that they're too young or that they don't know who they are. Youth know who they are. There's no test that we can give them to prove their gayness, and we should welcome them with open arms. When you look at the disproportionate rates of HIV infection in communities of color, specifically young MSMs of color, what we're seeing here in the city of Richmond, and I've had conversations with Bob Higginson, who's a physician assistant at VCU Health Systems, that what they're seeing now are young people are coming in, skipping an HIV diagnosis and going immediately to an AIDS diagnosis because they haven't tested since their last test, and so they've continued to engage in high-risk behavior, coming up with diseases and that were commonly seen in the early days of the pandemic. And what's unfortunate is that, again, we can't talk about HIV infection or any of the topics that we're talking about unless we talk about race as well. And so in the early days of the epidemic, we saw Bobby Campbell, who was the poster boy for gay cancer. But as Zakia was talking about, you know, in the African-American community, we don't have those quote-unquote HIV-positive role models who are showing that you can live longer and healthier lives. We don't have those conversations around the, the dinner table. But also, this is a generation that will never know the devastation of losing an entire community. HIV is now relegated to the metro section, page B9 whether it's something about PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis that's available. And if you know that you're engaging in high-risk behavior and dealing with some of the social determinants, as Wyatt mentioned, if you have a John who's going to offer you $200 not to use a condom versus the $40 you would charge to protect yourself and you don't have a place to stay or anything to eat, that $200 goes much further than that $40. Having access to PrEP, we know that it's, it, it prevents the um, transmission of HIV infection. But when you're trying to find something to eat, how are you going to navigate trying to find, how can I get this $2,000 a month medication? And it's a 30-day supply. So bringing it back to the forefront, and I, I, I admire what you guys are doing and, and bringing it here, but, but recognizing that now that, and I hate to say this, looking, listening to the stats that you provided, now that this is a disease of communities of color, nobody really gives a shit. I'm sorry. No, sorry. Black people make up tw approximately 13% of the U.S. population, but account for half of the reported HIV AIDS cases. Virginia. That's Virginia. I actually just read that um, for black men who have sex with men, the likelihood over your lifespan to contract HIV is one in two. Yeah, and for Latinos, I believe it was one in four. And, oh, God, and you have to think about in statistics when we hear the raw numbers of people being diagnosed, mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like that many because relative to the total population, it's small, but you have to think within communities. Um, it can be devastating to an entire, entire community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just want to plug real quick for anyone who's listening to Virginia Department of Health. If, if there's a barrier of you going to get tested, um, offers a free home test kit to, go sent, to get sent to your house um, to get tested for HIV. Any mail in Virginia can take advantage of that. It's in partnership with, um, I think, Maryland's health department, too. Um, but if you can't make it out to a testing center, they'll send something to you. And at least then you can have a jumping off point um, for starting to take control of your sexual health. Also, listeners, pay attention to that. Before the summer starts, before you get busy all summer long at the beach or wherever you're going, get tested. Yeah, Richmond City does free testing every uh, Tuesday, 5 to 6.30. Nations does it by appointment. 
by appointment and we also have a text line service so if individuals are in the central virginia area and they want um, condoms and testing delivered to them where they deem is safe for them to get those results then they can text our text line service and that's 804-999-1440 all right all right well we're gonna throw out a really controversial topic and then we'll get into happy things happy happy joy joy what are our thoughts on Religious intervention in the LGBTQ community, specifically conversion therapy, and the fact that it's heavily involved in politics, a.k.a. our vice president. So I actually, um, one of the films that I was thinking about including in Mungay's that I had on my original list was The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which is a fantastic film that focuses on conversion therapy, and it's about queer youth that get sent to a conversion camp that is... uh, Christian motivated and they finally identify their community there and it's a film that I really wanted to include and maybe we'll have it next year for Mungay's 2020 because it is an issue that I think really highlights the vulnerability of our population especially when you're young and your parents decide that who you are is not okay and you need to be changed and you're hearing that from everyone in your life It's important that we change this policy and that Virginia joins other states that want to protect its children and that we outlaw this practice because we can't leave this choice up to parents when parents are the ones putting their own children in danger and increasing suicide risk. I think the biggest thing to say about conversion therapy is that it doesn't work. There's only actually one study that was ever done that claimed that conversion therapy worked. Um, And that individual who did that study came out in 2001 and said he made up the results and apologized to the gay community for falsifying the records. But it's already so devastating. Right. Right. And so the Trevor Project just came out with a report that found youth who undergo conversion therapy uh, face suicide rates of 40 Forty-two percent. Youth who do not go through conversion therapy have suicide rates of 17%. So you're talking more than double. The thing that I think is important is that when we talk about conversion therapy, there's the actual process, whether it's religious-based or secular. But what Wyatt was speaking to also occurs where it's just uh, an adult, a teacher, a family member who says, you need to change. And so the Trevor Project found that 67% of LGBTQ youth are told they should change who they are by an adult. And that If they're told to change, their suicide risk increases by 300%. So not only does it not work, uh, uh, you can't change someone's sexuality or gender identity. It's dangerous. Repeat that again, please. You can't change someone's gender identity or sexual orientation. Nope. And I think that what, uh, I'll go back to what I said before, I'm not going to point any fingers at anyone. I'll leave that maybe to the host to do. But again, people who are most vocal anti-LGBTQ are often struggling with their sexuality and their own gender. So we could ask, why are certain folks really against this? And what are they afraid of? And I think we could look at some of the politicians and ask, who's hurt you? And what's going on? And why aren't you comfortable with who you are? And if we stop stigmatizing mental health, maybe they'll uh, come around and get that therapy that they need so much and recognize their true selves. But that, like, yeah. when I think about conversion therapy, I think about it a bit more in, like, white communities because I don't really see a lot of, hear about a lot of. Oh, we should talk. <laughs> I can show you some exorcisms and things you wouldn't believe. We can get the demons out you today. Right. We'll put you up on the altar at oh, church. Okay, well, when you, when, you, when you talk about it in that context, then, but I was thinking about, you know, 
other way. So. It's not all just summer camps and yeah, because it looks had, different. I had demons in me too. Yeah, they manifested into a beautiful butterfly though. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and see, there we go. Back on the positive note. Let's move on with that. What is it that you all want to wrap up with? Tell us something good. Well, I guess it's, well, some in the community would probably say it's good that he's actually leaving the community. <laughs> <Shut> um, <laughs> no, um, I'm excited. Um, my husband and I are about to embark on a new chapter. Richmond is my home, but I've had the pleasure of working with everyone here, with the exception of Wyatt. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm familiar with Wyatt's work. Um, I'm excited about the conversations that we've had and the work that's being done by the organizations addressing the conversations that we've had for something fun and exciting. When, uh, after I'm gone, on July 26th at 6 p.m., Diversity Richmond will host its fourth annual All-Americans Block Party, and that's a wonderful opportunity um, to gather our community, the LGBTQ community, and our uh, affirming allies to come out and just have a good time. Cash prizes for karaoke, um, couple of cash bars and I believe a couple of food trucks this this year as well. But it's a wonderful opportunity to just come together, meet your community members and love up on each other. Just have a good time. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of your work in this community that you've done while you've been here for so long and you know you'll be missed. Uh, Well, you know, some will probably say, thank God that bitch is gone. (laughs) Um, But no, I'm excited. You know you've been doing something right. My wonderful husband, uh, who just happens to be white, and some people would say, well, why are you talking so much about race when your husband is white? You don't know what it's all about. It doesn't make you not black. Exactly. Um, But we're hopping with our three wonderful dogs. Lady Addison, Princess Buttercup, and Duke of Highland in the back. And we're going to take a 33.2-hour drive. Oh, my goodness. Best of luck in your new endeavors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I would say I really love being queer. It is an identity that shows you that everything that you were taught and told that you needed to follow, you can change, you can alter, you can make to fit you. And it's freeing. It's beautiful to be able to escape all of the things that people tell you you have to conform to. And I think it's really exciting that more and more of society is going in that direction. And people are realizing that gender and sexuality are not as important as they've been taught to believe and that you can be whoever you want, you can do whatever you want. And I think that has taken root in people who are even younger than me. Um, For example, like at my high school, the people that won prom king and prom queen were football player and cheerleader, very classic. And I taught at the Appomattox Regional Governor's School in Petersburg a few years ago. And the year that I taught, who was crowned? It was a very effeminate boy who wore stilettos to school every day. He became prom king, and prom queen was a girl with a headscarf. And I think our youth are surpassing us and growing in ways that we've wanted them to for so long. And I will just wrap it up by saying every week at Mungays has been really heartening to me to see the people who are coming out because they're predominantly people under 25. You see people who are black, who are white, who are Latino, who are Asian, and they're mixed together. They're not coming in their own individual groups. They're coming as entire diverse friend groups. And I think change is around the corner. We're fighting the fight to get there, to make it go faster, but we're doing it. So there is hope. 
there is hope beyond 2020. <laughs> being LGBTQ is absolutely fabulous. And what I think is important to remember is that being close to us is also fabulous. That the music that you listen to, the catchphrase that you love so much, the dance move that you try to do on YouTube probably came from an LGBTQ person and specifically an LGBTQ person of color. And so all of the, you know, you look good and uh, shade that people want to throw tea? today and the tea we want to talk about has been a part of our community for decades. And so we're glad to see people catch up and we're excited to welcome you. And our hope is that you can celebrate the fullness of who we are in the same way that you celebrate our culture that you seem to love so much. And so my hope is that we can see more folks come out loud and proud as allies, not only to LGBTQ community as a whole, but specifically to LGBTQ folks of color, as you know, Rodney was speaking to specifically earlier in our session today. I think that what youth need to see is adults who love and care for them, and they need to see that across the board. It doesn't just have to be their mom and dad. It needs to be their neighbor. It needs to be their pastor. It needs to be their teacher. It needs to be everybody. It needs to be Pride Month every day, all day, yeah. every month, every year. And the good news is, while this is International Pride Month, and we've got Carytown Pride happening for the first time ever on June 29th, you've got Black Pride RVA happening um, July 18th through the 20th, Charlottesville Pride on September 14th, Tri-Cities Pride on September 14th, and then Virginia Pride here in Richmond on September 28th. Go so, out and get steeped in all that love. Like, right. there is no excuse. That's right. Yes. Go out there and have fun. Um, and last tiny piece I would just ask of folks is, as you're celebrating and having fun, do what Zakia said and call your elected official and tell them that you love us and that you want to see us protected on the state level and that you are willing to vote for candidates that will protect us regardless of party. Get out, vote, call your legislative officials, tell them that we need them. It wouldn't be municipal mania if we didn't have a shout out like that That's because right. we are all about changing life and outcomes through changing policy. So please, and it's please to annoy your officials even down to the city council level and mayor. Especially the city council and mayor. Right? That's where the most change happens. We can still get evicted or fired just for being who we are. Let's stop that. Let's end that now. Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. If we can pay our rent and we can do our work, then let us be. Money is green. Seriously. I'd like to just add on to, you know, feeling that, you know, there we have a table right now of queer and LGBT folk. Um, who are heavily involved in our community and uh, the organizations that we help run, which is just a testament to where we're at right now. Like we are also um, people that people younger than us can look up to um, who are guiding decisions and making change directly in the community. And I just think that's so powerful and great, you know? Um, and on top of having fun with, you know, um, Pride this month, also make sure you get tested. Get tested with and fun be fun comes safe. responsibility. That's right. So we have, you know... Um, uh, HIV testing day is the 27th. Zakia's got. Um, uh, We're at the Walgreens on a Brook Hill Azalea. We're there for three days, though the 26th, 27th, and 28th, all day. We're doing a block party. So come out, party with us, get tested, know your status, get some food. Stuff your pockets with condoms. Yes, yes, yes. And were you finished? Uh, I was going to say, we've got the our testing event, 6 to 10, uh, at 400 East Cary Street on June 28th. So come yes. out. Zakia, how about you? So I guess like um, 
Ted kind of stole everything I wanted to say, but no. <laughs> I, no, I really wanted to say that, you know, our community is is the beauty in the world. Um, like when you think about everything that's beautiful, we do it. You know what I'm saying? We create it, whether it's faces, whether it's choir, music, clothes, you know, it's it's our community. So like from folks that are LGBTQ, celebrate yourselves and love yourselves. Um, while you're out um, having fun on the 28th of September for Pride, for those of you who are into drag and drag pageantry and see RuPaul's Drag Race, it is live here in Richmond, September the 28th for our fundraiser, um, the nation's pageants. Um, it's a really good time. Um, it is some of the country's best in female impersonation that competes for the coveted title of Miss Nations, and that is a fundraiser for our organization. So we really need the support. And, and it's then, great. It's great. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then um, on the first and third Mondays of the month, we um, do a Monday Night Madness at the office at Nations Foundation, and it's just a space for people to come together, have fun, um, build community outside of the clubs. And so we have, like, a lot of um, games and cookouts and, uh, like, movie nights and all of that kind of stuff. So if you're part of the community, the LGBTQ community, or allies, you know, come and check us out on the first and third Mondays of the month. With Zena. With Zena and her Vogue tag. Oh, I am following her on Facebook. <laughs> Does anybody want to give ways to contact you? Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Diversity Richmond, uh, you can visit the website at diversityrichmond.org or reach out to Bill Harrison after uh, June 28th at area code 804-622-4646. Uh, it's a great organization. Hope you all will continue to support the support their efforts. You can find me on Twitter at Y-I-T-G-O-R-D-O-N. And I am here for all of your fun memes and hot takes. If you're a young person between the ages of 11 to 25 and want to connect with us, or you're a family that wants to reach out to us, or if you want to be one of our amazing possibility models and work with the youth, check us out at sidebysideva.org. VA is in Virginia. And our youth support line, which is available 24-7, 365, is 888 644 Four three nine zero. Yeah, and if you want to get into uh, contact with Doing It RVA or me, uh, hit us up on social media, Doing It RVA on everything, or our website, doingitrva.com. Um, if you have some questions about our testing opportunities that we offer, um, feel free to call or text me, 804-381-9018. Again, that is 804-381-9018. And if you are interested in getting tested or if you are a transgendered person and you're looking for support in the Richmond area, please look up Nations Foundation on Facebook. And that's Nations with no S and add a Z Foundation. And then our web address is Nations with a Z Foundation, R-V-A, like richmondvirginia.org. Thank you, everyone, all y'all. Thank you for a wonderful show. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your experiences and please keep doing what you're doing and feel free to come back though Rodney we know it'd be difficult for you to come all the way back for our little yeah. show from Arizona but feel free to come back and uh, talk about anything you've got going on let us know we've been really pleased to have you today thank you for having us thank you for the invite thank yes. you thank you and happy pride happy pride everyone happy pride y'all here at WRIR it is pride all year round that's for sure make WRIR gay again <laughs> 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 what you seeing for? What you seeing for? High fashion, high fashion, I'ma give you more. Why you mad, girl? Why you mad, girl? Cause I'm slaying and it makes you really sad, girl. Miss Kalei, I've come to get it. Gonna go all the way, bitch, don't get it. Eyes on the prize, I'm the one to be. Cause I'm sick and I'm fierce and. Kai.
Since Francesca was unable to make the recording, she wasn't able to deliver her Juneteenth message to you. Fran wants you to know that today is the 154th anniversary of Juneteenth, a holiday that commemorates the announcement of the abolition of slavery in the state of Texas and the emancipation of enslaved African Americans throughout the former Confederacy. As a white ally, today you can acknowledge that you live in a country that was built on the forced labor of black people. Educate other white people about housing discrimination, mass incarceration, Jim Crow laws, and identifying and accepting your white privilege. You can also use that privilege to amplify black voices in your community, or you can just sit down, hush up, and listen to your black friends when they tell you their truths without injecting yours into it. Happy Juneteenth, a holiday we should all be honoring. Love, RVA Dirt. Hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt if you want to continue this conversation or start another. Fix your face, dress like me, come through like an imposter. Call me Lila Gaga, and you're my little monster. She bring it to you every ball. Fem queen goddess, five feet tall. Across the board, I get my tens, and I was born to win. Why you mad? Fix your face, boo. Cocky. 